Welcome. I'm Andra, and this is the How Do You Know podcast. In this show, we'll learn how to make better decisions and open up our view to everything that's possible. I interview great decision makers to discover how they built and improved their process along the years. I really hope you'll find it useful. Let's dig in. Hello, Tim, and welcome to the How Do You Know podcast. It is absolutely wonderful to have you as a guest. Hello, thanks for inviting me. Um, it's awesome to have you here. I've been following your work for the past years, and I've learned so much from you. For those who are listening, Tim is the head of marketing and product strategy at Ahrefs, uh, and one of the best content marketers uh, on the web, in my opinion, and not only in my <laughs> opinion. Um, Ahrefs is, is a great company that I look up to. We actually use it at work, and it provides great value for us. And beyond that, um, the reason why I'm so excited to have you on this podcast is because you have a very interesting life story and a very uh, good track record of making great decisions that have uh, <laughs> led you to uh, making a big impact, having a big impact on, on people, not only in the marketing field, but also those aspiring to grow as marketers. So, uh, Tim, if you could just uh, tell us a bit about you, what you're currently doing, and then I cannot wait to dive right into um, the questions and kind of the theme of, of this episode. Yeah, thanks a lot for the intro. Uh, so right now I'm kind of the chief marketing officer at Ahrefs, which is, uh, I think, one of the best SEO tools in the world, but definitely I think that being the CMO here. Uh, but to be honest, uh, in our company, the titles are kind of blurred. So I don't have like a specific uh, limits of what I should or should not do. Uh, this is why uh, the title that I usually use like in my guest articles or like talks uh, is head of marketing and product strategy because I also influence the actual product a lot because I talk to a lot of people uh, I know what kind of uh, issues they're facing, what kind of use cases uh, they are uh, meeting in their day-to-day -day job. So, and so I actually influence the product a lot, suggest features. I also hire people to our team. Uh, and not only marketing team, I also hire people to our design team, uh, UI, UX team. Uh, also help with hiring data science people, even though uh, I'm probably the least qualified person to talk about data science uh, in our entire company. But yeah, I, I try to do everything that would help uh, our business grow. So this is kind of my background right now. Um, that is uh, a very complex role. And I think you're you're kind of the heart of Ahrefs, not only online, but also in the company per se, because, you know, sometimes companies have like, not necessarily spokespeople, but evangelists who don't necessarily get that involved in day-to-day -day activities. But you seem to be able to be doing everything at once. And this is something that I'm really interested in digging into, because as, as a, a marketer and specifically as a content marketer, but also kind of <laughs> spreading across uh, multiple areas, uh, managing all these competing priorities can become really difficult. So there's uh, there are a lot of decisions that can help um, help marketers uh, like you and me kind of figure out 
what their best path is and how to best use their resources, talent, um, energy, and time to have the best impact um, and have, uh, let's say, the, the best positive impact both on their teams and on their customers, of course. Um, so, but let, let's start in the beginning. Let's say um, I saw that you studied um, information security in Ukraine. So I'm very interested <laughs> how you turned from, given that I work kind of in both fields at once, very interested how that happened and how the move to marketing happened. Well, uh, studied information security is uh, a nice way to say it, but uh, I wouldn't say it actually what happened. Uh, back in my kind of university years, because uh, if if some of the listeners are familiar with uh, Ukraine, which is my home country where I was born and raised, uh, it's not like uh, I think it's uh, it's the third world world country, uh, and one of the uh, kind of traits of the third world country uh, is uh, high corruption. This is when you can pay money to get whatever you want. And in my case, uh, I'm not saying I'm proud of this, I'm just stating the facts. The education uh, in my hometown, uh, we, we obviously have uh, great uh, universities in Ukraine, uh, especially in, our, uh, uh, in, in Kyiv, which is our capital. Uh, but I was living in a rather small town and the, the university that I went to wasn't quite good and the education wasn't quite good, so actually, actually I didn't even study the informational security that much, so it wasn't too hard for me to transition uh, into anything I wanted. Because uh, actually, my my first job, uh, I started working basically in my uh, second year of university. So I think if I were, I would actually drop out because in the US I think the rules are more strict and you cannot uh, really uh, do both full time work and uh, full time. Uh, learning in the university so yeah I, I basically from the second year of uh, of studying university i went to work and my first position was a technical support specialist in a hosting company uh, where i worked for like i think five years so which was pretty long time so these were my student years i was uh, studying at the university well quote unquote studying and also working in technical support then i also because i had a, a huge uh, uh, i am a huge fan of music electronic music so i also became a dj uh, and i was resident dj in our local nightclub uh, so i was basically working during the uh, weekdays and playing music at the nightclub during weekdays that uh, is and then so I wanted, interesting to hear. <laughs> yeah. And then I wanted, uh, I, I decided to create my first website around electronic music because uh, uh, I had some interest in it. I had something interesting to say, music to share. So I created this website. I started like posting some, uh, some my music selections, some articles, uh, and no one was coming to the website. There was, there was no traffic, nothing. So this is how I started learning about uh, SEO, about content marketing, and how to get traffic to, to my website. And later, in just about like a year from that, uh, I landed my first job as a junior SEO specialist. And this is how I basically got into digital marketing. This is kind of the short version of the story. 
Wow, that is an amazing story. And it, it, it just baffles me how much, let's say, we, we might have in common just a little bit because I'm, I'm also huge a huge fan of electronic music. I had a music, an EDM blog with a friend um, who actually has, like, say, a small agency that handles SEO and digital marketing. <laughs> so uh, I, I think it's something to the, I don't know, specific to the region because, uh, yeah, as you know, being neighbors and all with Romania, um, we we have some of the same challenges uh, that that you had back in Ukraine. Um, albeit, let's say uh, there is a difference, but not not that big of a difference. And we would like to uh, let's say advance on on multiple levels. And it's very interesting how you took it from. So basically, your orientation towards marketing stemmed from a real need to build a business, uh, to build something, to, to build your product, um, obviously. And that is something that, um, let's say, you find quite rarely because people usually study marketing and then they get right into it. And I can tell from personal experience um, that studying it and actually practicing it have very little in common, aside from a few good principles that can help guide your, your efforts and choices along the way. So um, you started uh, the music blog, you started learning. So basically all your marketing education is entirely um, acquired by self-teaching, right? Uh, yeah, of course. Like uh, even, even when you're doing the junior SEO job role, uh, you're just given assignments. So you often full picture. So the only uh, single best, to get good at uh, promoting stuff online at uh, building traffic to your website is to actually launch some kind of website uh, preferably around something that you're genuinely interested in uh, and try to get some traffic to this website try to put something on sale and get some sales uh, try to get some customers, try to build a community once you start doing these things uh, you'll advance like super fast because you'll actually see uh, what kind of things work and what kind of things don't work. Absolutely. Um, and because we're talking about decisions and how, how your path evolved towards being a chief uh, marketing officer at a huge company that has customers all over the world and has a big financial impact uh, on growth um, and um, on, on companies in general. I was very curious to find out, I know you're a big fan of... Um, building your way up from support to a marketing role. You actually had a very interesting post on Medium a while ago, which I'm going to link to in the show notes, of course, that you have this culture at Ahrefs, uh, Ahrefs be that is actually uh, very supportive of promoting people from um, support to the marketing team, but not hiring people directly in the marketing team. How did this decision happen? Okay, so first of all, thanks for reading my Medium articles. Uh, and yeah, this is a pretty interesting term that we're taking right now with hiring people to marketing uh, and require them to work in support for some time. Uh, and actually, with this kind of strategy, I'm following my own footsteps uh, because when three years ago I joined the Shrefs, uh, there were like 16 people, I think, uh, in the entire company. Uh, and I was the kind of the only marketing person in our team, uh, which means I had to do like everything. I had to write copy for the homepage. I had to publish articles on the blog, 
like work with guest writers who want to publish on our blog. Uh, I had to write uh, hints and descriptions of various uh, reports and metrics in our tool set. And the problem was that I, uh, first of all, I didn't knew our tool set that well. Uh, and secondly, I didn't know our audience. I didn't know our customers that well. So if I needed to write a new copy for our homepage, I needed to understand like what kind of copy people are expecting to read and what kind of copy will ma make them convert, uh, what kind of triggers I can use to persuade them that uh, our tool is worth trying. Uh, I need to know like what's bothering them. I need to know uh, how to address their issues that they're having right now. And I figured that the, that the only way for me to become good at marketing HREFs is first to, to learn uh, the actual tool set in and out, uh, and second to communicate a lot with our customers uh, and dig as deep as I can uh, into our niche uh, to understand what's happening and to be uh, kind of at the forefront of it. Uh, and the only way to do it is to actually do some support, uh, talk to customers, uh, hear about their issues, hear about their challenges, hear about the goals that they're trying to achieve, uh, try to help them, try to address their goals, their challenges, and see if, if, it, if it actually works. Because if I have, uh, for example, 10 similar conversations with customers, and they figure out that certain feature uh, resonates with them very well, uh, then I can pitch that feature somewhere in our website, some in, our, in, in some of our promo materials, in some of our articles, and they know that this feature would motivate people to sign up uh, because this is what uh, our customers want. Uh, so right now I figured that if I hire a new person to our marketing team, uh, they would just be in the same position that I was previously. They wouldn't know much about HRFs, our toolset, and they wouldn't know much about our audience, about our customer base. So this is kind of a training period for them to work in support, to talk to our customers, to learn the, the tool set, and then they can be kind of transitioned into marketing. But again, uh, only if they like it, because some people actually like uh, being in customer support. This is what they like doing, and they don't like the, the responsibilities that, uh, that marketing brings. And it's totally fine, like uh, everyone should choose a job that satisfies them. So it's not that I'm kind of saying that uh, support people are kind of uh, less cool than marketing people uh, because I worked in support for like over five years myself. So I, I have a lot of empathy for support people. Uh, yeah, so this is, this is how it works for us right now. And I think it works pretty well. I think that is a great strategy and something that could, can easily, uh, let's say, filter out the people who might be, you know, hung on the superficial aspects of what it takes to be a marketer and the good one. Uh, because obviously now nowadays this um, this profession, let's say, this role is now so um, varied and it extends across so many types of specializations that it's it's difficult to sometimes tell the good ones from the bad ones, but the good ones do stand out because of their results, uh, due to their results. So I think, in my opinion, that was a very interesting choice to make in terms of hiring and a very important one because obviously I, I'm 
I'm a strong believer in in people and their ability to either make or break a company or a team or a product and so on and so forth. I believe that if you have a good team, um, you can basically do anything. And that kind of applies to my perspective on decision making as well, because I think that the people we surround ourselves with have a big influence on how we make decisions and the quality of uh, the decisions we make because they can either challenge us to grow and explore more options than we thought of, or they can be very, um, you know, supportive in the way that, yeah, sure, uh, whatever you think is best, but without challenging you in any way. Do you have the, those kind of people in the team that challenge you um, or um, in your group of friends or professionals and like-minded people? Uh, yeah, to be honest, uh, in HRF's team, I feel that, uh, like, most people uh, have this this leadership thing in them, uh, which is very cool in terms of uh, uh, running business with a fairly small team because HRS is now, I think, 36 people or something like this, uh, while our competitors like Moz and the same rush, I think Moz is uh, almost 200. I don't know what's, what's their count right now. Uh, and the same rush is, I think, over 500. So, so you can tell that we wrestle uh, with such uh, big companies with a ton of resources with much, much smaller team. So yeah, uh, I think that a lot of uh, people in HRF's team have this leadership um, kind of aspect trait in them. Uh, and, and often it helps because, yeah, you, you, cannot, you cannot make uh, a wrong decision because there are so, so many people with strong opinions, uh, smart people with strong opinions. That you often have to kind of defend uh, your decision uh, and make sure that you will address all their arguments. Uh, but on the other hand, sometimes you you're like 100% sure that your decision is awesome, uh, and you feel kind of reluctant to defend it because like there's just no point in it. You're like 100% sure. So sometimes this can be a roadblock. Uh, but oftentimes it uh, saves us from making bad decisions, that's for sure. Absolutely. Um, I'm a strong believer in, in, in this challenging process of debating and kind of figuring out what works best. And of course, I think that another important ability is to know when to have, like, say, these, these debates and when to just jump into action because uh, sometimes... What I've seen around me, maybe one of the mistakes I've, I've done as well, is linger too much and spend too much time on a decision uh, rather than acting on it. Um, and speaking about, let's say, decisions that uh, have some sort of regret nuance to them, do you have any of those? Do you have a decision that you wish you would have made sooner, for example, or something that you wish you could have done better? Because obviously, when we look um, towards our past actions um things are different <laughs> rather than they were at that moment yeah well to be honest uh today's world is so fast and uh like for for me uh, personally there's so much stuff that happens every day so the morning i open my uh, inbox and they see like a ton of emails from different people some of them are offering some kind of partnerships Others are asking about things that we've done. Others are asking about things that we're going to do. So there's just a ton of things, a ton of decisions, uh, a ton of uh, uh, items on the to-do list uh, that <laughs> I'm sure that I, I've made a ton of decisions that uh, I can regret. 
uh, but I simply don't have time to, to think of these decisions and decide if I want to, to have some regret or not. So, yeah, I, I don't think I have regret about any of my decisions. Uh, but that is because just I don't have enough time to, to think twice about it. I just make a decision uh, and I go forward. I make the next decision and next decision. Uh, sometimes my decision can backfire at me. Uh, but what, what happens at this point is that you have to make another decision to kind of uh, get rid of the negative aspects of uh, the previous decision. Exactly. So like, yeah, I, I cannot just, uh, if I see that something went wrong, this is not about regret, this is about fixing it. So bad decisions provoke you to make like more decisions. Uh, a bad uh, item on your to-do list will cause more items on your to-do list. So yeah, it, it's just about... Uh, Picking the things uh, that won't make you, that won't bring more work on your plate uh, in future. That is a very good perspective and a very constructive one. Um, something to to keep in mind, especially because we get. I, I bet you get so much feedback from everyone, from your team, from your customers, and uh, I sometimes experience the same at work. In in my role, we have all these channels that we can get feedback from, and uh, sometimes you know it, it takes a lot of effort to go through it, to understand it, it's to prioritize it. <laughs> um, so I wanted to ask how you handled feedback in terms of both your personal decisions and your professional decisions. Let's say how much weight you give it. And if you have any examples of, let's say, a piece of feedback that changed something important for you um, as a person. Well, that is a good question. <laughs> and it's uh, so hard to answer it. Yeah, of course, I get, I get a lot of feedback. I get feedback from our customers. Uh, both direct and indirect. So sometimes customers would, for example, on Facebook, they would say something and tag me. Uh, at other times, I would just uh, see, like, for example, conversation on Reddit uh, that talks about our tool or our marketing or our content. Uh, and they would not, like, mention me specifically, but they would uh, say some good or bad things, uh, which I would then read, so I will get this feedback. And also, of course, uh, I get a lot of feedback here internally. Uh, from our team members, uh, both before we do something and after we do something. Something. Um, in terms of like how it influences me, uh, to be honest, uh, I'm uh, I'm quite an easy person to influence. So I take everything too close to my heart, which is sometimes a problem. So sometimes uh, I, I'm making big problems out of small ones. Uh, but like over time in these three years with HRFs, as uh, our as our community was growing, as our company was growing, as our reach was growing, uh, one thing I realized is that you you cannot always do the right stuff. Like sooner or later, you're going to 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 do something wrong that will have the consequences. Uh, but in three years, uh, no matter how, uh, no matter the bad decisions that I made, uh, nothing. Uh, made our company sink <laughs> and our company is actually growing growing quite well so I wrote another medium article where I said that in 2016 we grew by 85% and in 2017 we grew plus 65% I think this year we're also going to grow somewhere around plus 65% so in spite of those bad decisions in spite of the backslash that we sometimes get from our users in spite of the kind of bad words that people will say sometimes about me personally, 
uh, accusing me of, I don't know, being dumb or making some dumb decisions. Uh, nothing actually goes seriously wrong. So we just learned that sometimes you just have to let go uh, and not focus on the bad things, uh, as well as not focus on the good things, actually. So uh, if you get obsessed about uh, uh, doing some cool thing, and if you spend your days like patting yourself on the back that, oh, th this article was seriously good, uh, I'm going to like uh, go tell everyone about it again and just uh, be proud of myself. No, you just have to realize that you did something good, or you did something bad, and move on. And uh, as you move on, you need to edit your actions, you need to uh, edit your decisions, and you need to make sure that uh, this kind of stuff will not happen again, because surely uh, some other things will go wrong. Uh, that is just like how life goes. Uh, but you don't have, you, you should uh, refrain from making the same mistakes twice and the same bad decisions twice. So that's that's how I do it. Excellent piece of advice. And something I think that is very valuable is the fact that you have this this sort of reflection and the, the reflex to, to reflect, let's say, on, on how you make decisions and their consequences. You have it built in because, um, unfortunately, for people who, let's say, uh, tend to go with the flow, um, they sometimes forget to think about these things and that's why people make the same mistakes twice or thrice or even more frequently than that, unfortunately. And this is kind of something that um, I'm, I'm trying to build towards with this podcast and with this, let's say, personal quest to uh, understand what your process is, uh, what other people's processes for decision-making is. Because in my opinion, educating ourselves to build this self-awareness of, let's see, how I act, what results it brings, let's see how I can improve this gradually, something that we all need and that's valuable for all of us because we we don't make perfect decisions in every aspect of our lives. For some of us, it's easier to, let's say, control or manage uh, our professional decisions, but on a personal level, we have completely different challenges. So speaking about, uh, let's say, personal decisions that are also tied to our roles as professionals, I'm very curious to find out how you chose to move to Singapore and what that meant for you and your family and um, if uh, how, how you see this change and what it's, it's brought you, basically. <laughs> well, this is actually a super easy question to answer and I'm probably going to be very brief. Uh, the decision was simple. Uh, I, I enjoyed uh, HRS. I really wanted to be a part of this company. Uh, I just felt that uh, I belong here, that I can contribute a lot, and I can kind of uh, build and influence my career a lot uh, with uh, such a great, uh, with, with such a great team uh, uh, building HRS. So uh, I didn't think much about moving to Singapore from Ukraine again. Uh, because Singapore is like one of the best places in the world to live. So yeah, I think uh, it was an easy decision for me in, in terms of moving. But yeah, it comes, of course, with uh, its own challenges because the culture is entirely different from the culture in Ukraine. Uh, it's hard for me to kind of connect with Asian people. I think it would be easier for me, uh, much easier for me to connect with people from US than, from, uh, than with people uh, from Asia because there's just like too big of a gap uh, in the cultural difference. 
yeah, and like I, I will not go right now and discuss like all the pluses and minuses, all the pros and cons of living in Singapore and Ukraine. But of course, like uh, you, you have both. You have your pros of living in Singapore compared to Ukraine, but you also have the cons of being a, a person from and uh, a European person living in an Asian country. So that's what you have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought of the cultural difference and I, I can imagine that it is challenging sometimes to communicate because the values are so, not not necessarily the values, but the behaviors and let's say the cultural norms, they're wildly different. Yeah. And while you and I may connect very easily because we shared kind of, we both know how how uh, the specifics of the region and the challenges and so on and that brings people closer so um yeah i can only imagine but to me that is very brave moving to such a different culture in such a different country of course you you definitely have a very keen focus on what you want to achieve and maybe even how to how to achieve it so that does make it easier in a way because you get a lot of um let's say you're it's very rewarding to be in your role and to be the work you're you're to do the work you're doing so i think that is a very important aspect to build on and nurture in in general in our lives so um given the path given uh the choices you've made over the years i know that you're a big reader i know that you read a lot and um you consume a lot of content you put out a lot of content of course as a result i wanted to ask if you have any specific resources that maybe have helped you improve your choices over the years or improve your thinking and your your critical thinking uh yeah first of all uh i would like to talk about the book that I think uh, changed the course of my entire life uh, because right now on social media I see a lot of uh, uh, posts uh, a lot of images uh, that uh, tell you some like I don't know jokes or or things about the education that you get in school and the things that you should actually uh, be learning while while you grow up to be successful in life I'm sure like everyone's seen uh, these sort of uh, pictures. Uh, and so this was the same for me. Uh, back in Ukraine in school, we were studying, I don't know, mathematics, uh, algebra, and I was pretty good at it, chemistry. Uh, well, foreign language, this is one of the biggest things that helped me in my career, of course, but not mathematics, physics, chemistry, or whatever. Uh, like just today, when I was walking to the office and listening to uh, some Gary Vaynerchuk talk, uh, he said, like, uh, early in my school, I realized that uh, the position of Saturn uh, will not have any effect on my life. <laughs> uh, and so he didn't really care about, like, what they were teaching in school. So, yeah, back to, back to the book uh, that totally changed my perspective uh, in life because, uh, because school just can't, can't teach me uh, this kind of thing. Uh, the, book is called, called, the book is called Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, and it was totally awesome for me to realize just two things. Uh, the first thing was that uh, in in your career, in your life, uh, the the kind of the amount of success the uh, that you can get is largely predetermined by luck, by the circumstances. So in this book, he was explaining that uh, uh, you could only start Microsoft if you were. Uh, at that position, at that time, at that place. You could only start Apple if you were at this position at the time of that place. For example, a guy from Ukraine 
couldn't really launch Microsoft from Ukraine because like uh, the like everything is different. You don't have the resources, you don't have investors, you don't have companies who would support you, and blah blah blah. So this was the first biggest realization that uh, luck plays a big role. And the second realization is that uh, you can kind of create this luck uh, by working a lot. Uh, this famous like uh, ten thousand hours rule that uh, if you want to be like really successful, if you want to be professional at something, you have to spend at least uh, 10,000 hours perfecting this skill uh, or working in that niche. Uh, and actually by by working uh, in, in a certain niche, by trying to uh, excel, by trying to get better at it, you create all those opportunities that the people call luck. So th this was th this is exactly what happened to me. Uh, I was working uh, in uh, digital marketing. I launched my own blog. Uh, I launched my own products and I was uh, promoting myself. I was reaching out to different companies, uh, asking to guest write for them, uh, asking to do some like consulting services for them. And this is how I reached out to HRFs, uh, who eventually hired me as their director of marketing. So if I weren't doing all the, all this stuff, uh, I wouldn't uh, get hired to HRFs. But at the same time, it is great luck that I reached out to them exactly at a point where they were uh, in need of marketing person. So yeah, the book uh, Outliers by Mal Malcolm Gladwell definitely changed my perspective in life. And uh, uh, I, I'm still kind of using these guiding principles. I'm still uh, trying to hustle and I, I'm still realizing that my hustle doesn't always bring results uh, because there's aspect of luck involved in it. But I'm just trying to create uh, more opportunity for luck to kick in. Oh, that is such a wonderful way to put it. And I think that there is a, such great value in understanding these aspects, understanding what we can, let's say, control or influence, and understanding what is, uh, let's say, outside of our reach, but still trying relentlessly to build these opportunities. Um, and I I myself believe that uh, working hard is our best asset and something that's fully in our control. Uh, talking to people, extending, let's say, invitations to discuss things, getting feedback and just putting stuff out there, just shipping things uh, is so crucially important for everyone and maintaining a discipline to do this constantly and not just have those peaks in productivity and then just a slump and do it again and again. Um, I, In my opinion, so looking from, uh, from an outsider's perspective, let's see, you look like you have a lot, a lot of discipline built into your maybe your schedule, uh, into the way you approach things, because doing all these things, keeping them in check and doing them uh, to have great results and to have an impact, to make a change at the end of the day, is something that's very difficult to do. How do you kind of build this routine and how do you support it and manage to stay on top of things while being involved in countless conversations? online and I'm sure offline as well, like we're doing now and figuring figuring out how to make the most of it. So how do you do it and how do you use this discipline? Okay, first of all, let me help uh, some listeners to exhale because uh, I think that I'm actually terrible uh, at productivity, that I'm terrible at planning stuff and that, I, uh, that I'm terrible at uh, performing at a certain level at all times. Like, uh, actually, what you just said, that um, uh, performing all the time on a certain level instead of uh, going kind of in cycles, I'm pretty sure that I'm going in cycles. 
there's a cycle of like super peak productivity uh, where I can where I can like work all day long and even at night I can sleep because uh, some thoughts and ideas mm -hmm. are still floating in my head and I just have to get up, take a notebook uh, and just uh, put them into a notebook because otherwise I will forget them. And there are also times uh, when I feel like a total loser, when I feel like nothing that I'm doing is working, when I feel that like all my past decisions were wrong, when I feel lost, when I don't know like what to do and I don't like any of the items that uh, seemed perfect and amazing and super smart for me uh, just a few days ago. Uh, but I just learned to embrace uh, both cycles. I know that it's, uh, I think I even read some, some articles or books that this is how human psychology works. You cannot operate at peak levels at all times. And I think I'm also, uh, I'm, I'm quite a fan of boxing because we have uh, quite a few awesome box boxers coming from Ukraine. I think they will be soon in the uh, pound for pound list. Uh, and so the, the way I look at boxing is that uh, boxers, they don't train like at the peak of their performance all year round. Uh, they schedule a fight and then they will, uh, they will uh, do trainings and the intensity of those trainings will, uh, will rise as they get nearer to the fight. So like three months before the fight, they will start like training in a relaxed way. Uh, but uh, a few weeks before the fight, they will have their like most challenging uh, trainings and most challenging, uh, uh, I, I don't know, workouts uh, to then reach the peak performance on the day of the fight. And then after the fight, they will take a vacation where they will, will not train at all. So I think this is how human body works. This is how human psychology works. And I just uh, embrace, embrace both cycles. Uh, when I feel that I can work hard, I will work hard. I will like do everything I, I, I want. I, I want to do like on my to-do list. I will close all the distractions. Uh, but when I'm, when I'm not feeling that uh, I am being productive, when I, when I don't feel that I can come up with uh, some smart ideas, some good decisions, uh, I just let it go and I, I just do like the minimum, the minimum uh, needed stuff to keep the team running, to keep the company running, uh, like in, in kind of, I don't know, maintenance mode or, or how do you call it? <laughs> So yeah, this this is how I operate. That is, it, it is. Let's say I'm sure that many of us are ch challenged by the same thing and are dealing with the same thing, myself included, because I I do have days when I feel, uh, let's say, just um, depleted maybe or can't focus enough, and I put a lot of pressure on myself, and I know that I have people around me who do the same. To perform like they usually do and get they get and I get also uh, frustrated when I can't do as much as I know I can do so that's uh, that's a difficult thing to to deal with and to accept that there are parts of our lives in which we're not going to be at our greatest but that doesn't uh, make us um, basically that doesn't invalidate our, our work, yeah, but, the work that we but did, the did before. Is, uh, if you don't embrace that there is a time when you need to relax and get off work, uh, if you try to push yourself, uh, this uh, will not do any good. You will only extend the length of the cycle when you are not productive. So it's always better if you feel that uh, you, you cannot be productive, you cannot make smart decisions. Uh, just don't do it. Just like uh, switch to something else. Let yourself relax. 
uh, go take a walk, watch some Netflix, I don't know, <laughs> and uh, like in a day or maybe in two days, you will feel that you want to do some work, that you have uh, accumulated enough energy to like close all distractions and focus on whatever item was the most important on your to-do list. Absolutely. And I think that this is also might be an effective way to dealing with imposter syndrome. Also talking to other people like we're doing now and understanding how they deal with these challenges and how, I don't know, what tools or practices or routines they use to get out of a slump or just get energized or have some downtime to get better rest because we're so bombarded with information information from just all sides constantly, interruptions and so on and so forth, that this is obviously affecting our focus and also the way the web works, let's let's call it that, the dynamics of the internet have changed the the structure of our brains um, physically, not only on a, let's say, on a a theoretical level. And that's something to take into account because have have you experienced this type of, let's see, how do you deal with distractions when, when making your choices and when achieving this focus? Because being in a marketing role, in the management role, means that you have to pay attention to things all the time and people will want things from you all the time. Yeah, uh, this is also an absolutely amazing question. And uh, there is a book uh, called Flow. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't remember who's the author. I wonder if you read it or not. I haven't read it yet, but it's right at the top of my to-do, to-read list. And I have a friend who read it and she's a huge fan. She has this uncanny ability to focus. (laughs) Yeah, the the book Flow is pretty great. Basically, it talks about the principle that uh if you if you want to achieve like peak performance uh you have to choose a task that would be challenging enough for you to to be absolutely sure that you can do it uh but not easy enough for you to be bored to do it so this is one of the uh kind of hacks to being productive at work you just need to get rid of the tasks that feel like super basic for you that you don't want to do and you have to get rid of the tasks that feel uh like uh too too big too too depressing i don't know or or actually the strategy is to sometimes uh cut those big and depressive uh tasks into steps and you can take one step at a time and it feel it, it feels challenging enough and it feels hard enough for you to kind of uh put yourself in the flow uh when you're taking care of it uh, another thing is the pretty famous pomodoro technique uh which i'm trying to practice on and off again i wouldn't say that i'm like this is something i'm doing every day but whenever i have uh, some task that i i have to uh, take care of i will start blocking time on my calendar and i will start using the pomodoro timer just set myself a timer for 25 minutes when i would shut down all distractions i would uh, close uh, facebook messenger slack skype like turn off my phone and for 25 minutes I will focus on whatever task uh, is uh, right now the most important. And uh, in in one workday, with all the distractions and all the like side tasks and with other people wanting something from me, I would try to do anywhere from four Pomodoros to six Pomodoros. So these are like uh, 25 minute cycles of productive work. And like nothing will happen if you're absent for only 25 minutes. Everything in this world can wait for 25 minutes. And if something like I would say actually terrible, something terrible happens 
uh, that cannot wait 25 minutes, I'm sure that someone will pat you on the back and tell you that something happened and uh, your attention is required like right now. So yeah, these are the two things that I'm uh, uh, help me be productive. First, I try to uh, pick things that kind of genuinely excite me uh, based on how hard it is to do them. Uh, and second, I try to block time. I try to switch on the Pomodoro timer and it actually feels satisfying uh, when you work uh, like super productive for 25 minutes and you then put uh, a checkbox in your notebook for like working for 25 minutes and then another one and then another one. And then you have like four or five or six a day and you feel super, super satisfied that you did that. So that yeah, this awesome. also plays some kind of role in that. Uh, that is a great technique. Um, I think I tried it once a few years back, but maybe it's time to bring it back and maybe you can just keep it on my desk as a reminder that I'm currently involved in this. So let's uh, let's meet up afterwards. Yeah, actually, um, here's another tip. You shouldn't be hard on yourself for not sticking to some kind of schedule. This is something I advised to my friend uh, who was trying to go to the gym. And he said, like, how do you go to gym regular, regularly? Give me some advice. And what I told him is that, uh, like, most people try to, when they first go to the gym, uh, they try to set themselves specific time. Okay, I want to go there Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 6 p.m., like, uh, every time. And so they go Monday, they go Wednesday, they go Friday. But next Monday something happens. They have, like, some uh, urgent meeting or something, and they skip the training. And then Wednesday comes and they think, okay, I skipped Monday, so probably I won't go Wednesday. I will start next week. And then it never happens. So the thing is, is that you, you shouldn't uh, hold on to those missed, missed days. And if, you're, if you want to try Pomodoro Technique again and you tried it for one day and then you, you quit, no problem. Don't, don't, get, uh, don't get obsessed by it. Try it next week again. Don't, don't think that you should uh, like absolutely... Either you do it every day or you're not doing it. Because for me, I might skip a few weeks, but then I, I find some tasks that I want to do, and then I would hop on Pomodoros again. Then once I complete this task, I may, might skip a few weeks again, but then I might hop on Pomodoros again. So it's not about doing it every single day. Uh, let yourself skip some days, <laughs> it's not a problem, but make sure to get back to it uh, whenever you get a chance. Yeah, balancing discipline and flexibility is very difficult to do. And I've, what I found helps uh, not only reading, but also talking a lot to people, to people who I look up to mostly, uh, and understanding their challenges and understanding their process. This has helped me a lot over the years. And uh, obviously, I, I, I believe that's why I believe it's very important to have, um, let's say, a, a sort of a mentor, even if it's not in the traditional sense. So you may not constantly talk to that person like schedule time to have talks and things like that but just have someone to bounce ideas off that can give you a different perspective have you used mentorship in any way in your life or have you used let's say peer relationships in the industry to help you grow both professionally and on a personal level because they're obviously tied together they go together I, I cannot say that I ever had any mentors and uh, probably this is why I think that uh, it took me quite a long uh, quite a long time to get to where I am right now uh, but I don't actually think that uh, you really need a mentor that much uh, to achieve something because uh, right now as we were talking uh, 
uh, we mentioned quite a few books and quite a few principles that we learned that will that we have learned just by reading stuff online, uh, watching some seminars on YouTube, reading books, uh, attending conferences. So you you don't necessarily need a specific person uh, who would you always go whenever you have a challenge or who will uh, who will have his own goal to coach you towards achieving achieving something significant. Uh, there's a lot of great information online. Uh, there are a lot of people who you could just simply copy uh, copy what they do, copy their strategies, copy their mindset. Uh, there are quite a few like uh, biographies of like famous people uh, like Rockefeller uh, that you can read and take away something. So I don't think you really need a mentor, but of course it helps if you if you can. Uh, if you can find the person who will be open to sharing their experience with you, who will be open to uh, dedicating their time to help you out, uh, that's always a good thing. But for me, it didn't work. I mean, I, I wasn't I wasn't able to find that person because when when you're just starting out, uh, there's nothing much you can offer to those uh, big guys. So what's their motivation to help you? It, it is super hard to connect with them. And uh, right now, uh, when I already achieved something, when I have uh, some kind of influence, knowledge, experience of my own, uh, I find that I find it that it is like quite much easier for me uh, to connect with people who are at least at the same level or maybe a few steps uh, higher than myself. But it's still super <laughs> challenging for me uh, to reach people, for example, like Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, I would love to have Gary Vaynerchuk as my mentor and help me like uh, grow further, uh, but I realized that like it's almost impossible to to make this happen. Yeah, I understand. I I totally understand these challenges, and I think uh, it's taken me a very long while to kind of gather up the courage to approach the people who I looked up to, like you, like Kevin Lee, for example, from Buffer and many other people in the marketing field and beyond because uh, I felt the same thing. I felt like an imposter. I felt like I have nothing interesting to talk about with these people. But obviously that, that changes over time. And I think that um, being open about your process and talking about the choices that we make and kind of this, this uh, trend of transparency that's happening throughout the tech industry, but um, obviously we see more marketing companies, uh, marketing-focused companies uh, do this a lot more often because we follow them and observe them more closely. I think that this level of transparency and talking about how you do things and why you do things has helped a lot uh, kind of build up a new generation of marketers or communicators or just people who care about those values. And this is something that I found very helpful in how you talk about your process at Ahrefs. I've seen the same, for example, in Buffer when they talk about transparency and the way they build their teams and, I don't know, deal with so many challenges. And to me, that is a very important resource that we didn't have when we started uh let's say uh, years ago eight ten years ago when we started in a marketing field or just barely out of college and uh trying to build a career so that's a very that's important uh, resource to use in my opinion um just to to round up let's say our our talk and to bring it all together do you have anything else you'd like to add in terms of what you'd recommend people to to improve their choices and to improve their critical thinking, um, to basically have um, make a change throughout their their entire lives. 
Uh, you keep asking me challenging questions, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, trying, trying my best here. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I think uh, the, the the best advice I can give uh, is to allocate some time uh, to actually think and get to know yourself a little bit better. Because, like, as we discussed, uh, as we just discussed, the, the world is changing so quickly. There's so much stuff happening all the time. There's a huge information overload. And most people, uh, they just find themselves always chasing something. And they don't have time to stop and think, like, what do they actually want? Like, who do they want to be? Uh, what kind of goals really matter to them and what kind of goals, uh, which goals don't matter to them and why, why certain goals matter to them and why certain goals not. Uh, with all those quotes, like uh, a lot of people are trying to uh, impress people they don't know with things they don't need and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. This is actually real. Uh, so in my case, I sometimes try to uh, block some time to think about these things. Usually it happens... Uh, once a year before the new year where I want to rethink like what I've done this year, uh, why I've done it, what I want next year, uh, why I want it. Uh, so it actually helps. It helps to outline like where are you going, uh, what steps you need to take to get there, uh, kind of have a map of where you're going and not just uh, sail whatever wind blows. So I think if we're talking about kind of general advice that I can give to people, uh, is to allocate some time to get to know yourself better, to think of your motivations, of what is driving you, why it is driving you, uh, and if this is really what you want in life. That is an, an excellent way to bring this all together and to um, just help people start with something that's very practical. And I think we've covered a lot of practical uh, things and recommendations and resources. Of course, I'll link all to all of them in the show notes. And uh, obviously, I cannot wait to put this episode online. Um, before before we wrap this up and uh, we go to, to uh, the part where I thank you so very much for making the time for this, I wanted to ask, um, what is the best way for people to get in touch with you in case they want to um, um, just say hi or ask specific questions, be interested in Ahrefs and so on? Yeah, sure, because, <laughs> because I'm a, a highly practical guy. I actually created a page just to answer this kind of question. So if you go to our company website, ahrefs.com, uh, and then put a slash and then put my name, which is Tim, T-I-M. Uh, you'll get a page about me uh, with links to all my social profiles, with my personal email address, with some of my uh, best articles that I wrote. So, like, uh, I try to put, like, all, all the best stuff about me on this page. So, like, upcoming live talks, uh, past uh, podcast interviews. So, your interview will land on the, that page as well. So yeah, if, if uh, someone wants to learn uh, a bit more about me, about my work, uh, see my best articles, my best research studies, uh, and connect with me on social media profiles, just go to hrefs.com team uh, and everything is there. 
Perfect. I'll make sure to link to that. Again, Tim, thank okay. you so much for for making the time. I've enjoyed this talk uh, tremendously, and I've gotten a lot out of it. And I hope it's been the same for you. Um, I What I can promise is to keep asking uh, challenging questions all the time and continue learning from great people such as yourself. And I cannot wait to see what you do next and um, how you grow even further and make an even bigger change, um, both inside HREFs and in the industry in general. Thanks a lot for inviting me. I enjoyed talking to you a lot and those challenging questions. I, I even think I will have to block some time to rethink <laughs> some of the things that we talked about today. Okay, that's great. That's great to hear. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. You can find links to all the resources we mentioned in the show notes. If you have feedback, please share it in a review on iTunes or any other podcast app you're using. I want to understand how to make the show better and more useful for everyone involved. You can always reach me on my blog or on Twitter. You can also subscribe to the weekly email I send. It comes packed with great resources focused on, what else, decision making. Don't be a stranger and thanks again for listening.